you for listening to this message from the North Gate. So you're going to have to begin to understand that when you find yourself in a, I feel weak or I feel like I can't do this. First of all, you have to ask yourself, number one, who am I connecting myself to and who's speaking into me? Because what you can't say is nobody's speaking in, somebody's speaking into you or somebody's agreeing with you. Let me just put it that way. Nobody else is speaking into me. It's not about letting somebody speak into you. Sometimes it may be about somebody agreeing with you in the place that you're stuck. What does that have to do with tonight? Well, there was a young man by the name of Gideon who got identified as a passionate burning leader and he was stuck in a wine press for years. He was stuck in a wine press sifting wheat and he wasn't even making wine because that's what everybody agreed with him to tell him that he was supposed to do. Until what? The presence of the Lord comes in. The angel of the Lord begins to come to Gideon and call him out of a place that is stuck. And so what happens is we literally have the rights We have the birthrights of the kingdom to watch. These signs shall follow them that believe. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You shall be able to cast out devils. You shall be able to raise the dead. You can talk to somebody who has no hopelessness. Tonight in this room was evidence that these signs shall follow them that believe. Just literally us coming to an agreement of giving God our very best in worship, shift an atmosphere that God did what? He started identifying people all over the room. God started identifying people that you feel different right now in this moment than you felt all week long, all month long, or even the last six months, or even the last year. Sometimes even the last years. For years, I lost myself. For months, I lost myself. For a week, I didn't feel like myself at all. And you know what it was like when you came into that first encounter of beloved identity that you didn't get on an altar and confess all of your sin. You went to an altar feeling guilt, shame, insecurity, fear, and doubt, and love came after you, and you ran after love. And when you went to an altar, at least for me, I wasn't saying, God, here's my track record. I'm saying, oh my God, in perfect love, I am miserable and wretched and shameful, and you still love me. That was what salvation looked like to me. Salvation to me looked like an oh my God moment, not me spilling out my track record of how nasty and defile I am to the earth. God was loving me in my mess. Instead of of telling you clean up, straighten up, stop acting a certain way, I'm gonna tell you tonight, lean in. Open your hearts. Open your hearts. So when I begin to shift this room tonight, religious people or people don't understand, be like, brother, that guy is controlling you. No, if I would not have done what I've done as a leader, and watch, you'll be persecuted falsely for his namesake, the Bible says. Jesus said you'll be persecuted falsely for my namesake. So I'm okay with everybody on the camera saying he's a cult leader when you felt the love and the tears that you felt. I'm okay with being condemned because I'm secure in who I am in him that I was willing to do whatever it took for you tonight, Travis. I was willing to go as far as we need. Beth, I was willing to go as far as we need. Lisa, I was willing to do whatever it took to shift this room. 
so that you could get in a posture that what? Me telling you to straighten up? No, you being told you are so radically loved by the God of the universe. And guess what happened? We start seeing waterfalls all over the room of not telling you if you don't straighten up, you're going to hell. Of you just saying, hey, you are so loved by God, you're about to see heaven on earth. You're about to see heaven on earth like you've never seen it before. So it's time for all of us to begin to tend this lampstand that, listen, as we all begin to pour oil into the lampstand like Mike began to tell us, what happens when I have in my heart to shift the room tonight that there's a hundred people in the room start saying, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost till this whole city shifts. If I could shift a room like this with a handful of like-minded people that hope can flood in, what happens when a hundred of us start shifting the atmosphere of a city, a region, and a nation? You're valuable. You're valuable to this. Do you hear me? You're valuable to this. Let's go to Galatians 4. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Let me illustrate. We had a good illustration tonight. Let me illustrate as long as an heir is a minor. He's not really much different than a servant. Although the master over all of them, for until the time appointed by the father, the child is under the domestic supervision. He's under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. Until you hit maturity, God is going to place other people around you to keep identifying who you are. So when you shrink back, a real father's gonna go, uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh, uh uh, uh uh. I'm gonna poke the marriage, I'm gonna poke you, I'm gonna poke your worship, I'm gonna poke your praise because I've seen who you really are in the presence of God. And if you are anything less than that, if you're anything less than that radical love that I have got to witness on your life, I am going to provoke radical love on you like a situation tonight so that we can step into the fullness of what God has not only for you, but for every single one of us. Every one of us in this room that are called to be sons and daughters of God are called to be a part of a mass revival awakening to the love of Abba that the earth has not seen yet. Could you imagine what churches all across America would look like if we weren't worried about going to hell, a place that wasn't even made for you, and we were more focused on being face-to-face with God so that heaven could invade earth? Jesus didn't tell you, make sure you worry about hell in all of your actions. He said, no. He said, let me teach you to pray. Our Abba, who art in heaven, how be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today everything that I need for this day. You don't want me to be sloppy. You don't want me to be lazy. You don't want me to think that I'm anything less than your child. That's why we started off the prayer, our Father who art in heaven. He doesn't want you to think any time, any place, anywhere than your other than child. That's why I think it's funny that he said, give me my daily bread. And we thought that was getting out that old devotional, reading John 3, 16. No, I always say it like this. There's always food at my father's table. So what happens when give me my daily bread and realizes that it's never going to run out? What, what, what realizes, I'll tell you what happens. Time gets his hands tied. 
time gets his hands tied and you actually start stepping into everlasting because you realize there's always daily bread when you cry out Abba Father. And you know what happens inside of religion? We don't cry out Abba Father. You know, we cry out, God, this is screwed up and that's jacked up and fix this and fix that. And God's going, listen, I'm Abba, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. All things work together for the good to those that love God and what the enemy intended for evil, I'm gonna turn that thing around. So I really don't even need you to begin to bring things to me that I already know that I'm gonna fix. I just need you to start looking for me to fix it. That's why he said, when he said, bring your, when you bring your cares to him, that's not you venting. That's actually you handing it over and letting go. Let, let, let God take, you bring, casting your cares upon him is not you sitting in a prayer meeting for an hour saying how bad your life is. That's literally you giving it to him and letting go and realize he'll give you your daily bread. He'll give you everything that you need for the day. Let's keep reading. For until the time appointed by the father, the child is under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. So it is with us. So it is with us. When we were just juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when the time of fulfillment has come, somebody say, in times. So if the fulfillment has come, if I put a cake in the oven, and it dings, what's that mean? Time's up. Time's up. It's done. It's done. So God is not waiting for the fulfillment of time to be Armageddon. God is waiting for the fulfillment of time of sons and daughters to come into the maturity of beloved identity. So quit looking at the whore in Revelations and start looking at the bride. And now we're closer to the end of time, not end times revelation, end of us worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. We're in the greatest days of church history right now. We're not in worry for Armageddon. Listen, you want to know why? Because for God so loved the world, he wanted to save the world, not destroy it. And we think him saving the world is him destroying the world. And he doesn't want to destroy the world. He's looking for some sons and daughters to become kingdom builders like Ezra and Nehemiah and see ancient ruined cities destroyed and he's watching you in beloved identity say, I can get the resources, I can get the men, I can get the timing, I can get the tooling, and anything that looks desolate, God is a God of reconciliation, and he wants to build it back up. So I'm here on this earth 43 years, my dad is gonna be 74 this week, and guess what? Jesus still has not come back with a rapture of an eastern sky split, so why should I sit and worry about getting snatched out of here when I should worry about everything being reclaimed, renewal, Reformation, revival, an outpouring of God's spirit like the earth has never seen. Let's quit talking about past revival and believe we're in the greatest days of church history because God wants to save the world and the world don't look worth saving right now. So now we have fathers being placed and religion can't stand fathers because Religion wants to be in cruise control. And fathers are going, I'm called to raise you up. I'm called to raise you up. I'm called to raise you up. I'm called in this house, not to be a bishop, not to be the head of the church. I'm not the head of the church, Jesus is. You know what I'm placed right here to be? A father. And you know what I tell my sons? When they feel like they don't measure up, let's go try again. I don't want to try again. We're going to try again. We're going to try again. We're going to try again. What have you prayed for that God hasn't answered yet? We're going to try again. 
Come on, what, what has not happened in the earth? We're going to try again. We're going to try again. If you serve a God that doesn't have a no quit in him, why would you have a quit in you? If your God doesn't quit, why would you quit? Because you came in agreement with something that told you to cash it in. Something to, You came in agreement with a lie that became a stronghold. A lie perceived to be a truth is a stronghold. And what are we supposed to do with strongholds? We're supposed to grab hold of them, pull them down because they've exalted themselves over the mind of God. They've exalted them on, over the one that can take anything that seems impossible and God can make it possible. We've got to start realizing we serve a God that picks up dirt and turns nothing into human life. So you can't tell me there's nothing that God can't do. We've surrounded ourselves with a bunch of naysayers that have lost their faith where strife and contention has suppressed you. So watch this. So it is with us when we were juveniles that we were enslaved to strife and contention. But when the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, born under hostility. So most people would say, let's just get snatched out of here. It's bad. Jesus was born in bad times. We ain't seen bad yet. Yet, 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 yet. We're not going to see it if sons and daughters will rise up because you'll be able to tell the storm to stop. You'll be able to go into situations and bring peace. Watch it. Watch how this happens. But you're going to have to hear the voice of the Lord. But when the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Yet all of this was that he would redeem and set free those who were held hostage to the law so that we would receive our freedom and full placement. Okay, legal adoption, apostle detail is no, that you would receive a full adoption, not legal. That word in the Greek means to be placed by a father. So in that, God wants you to be placed. How are you going to be placed? When a real father comes in with the spirit of adoption, what's the spirit of adoption? Guess what? You get a front row seat. 44 years of what father placement looks like. Right here. I don't have his blood, but I walk like him. I talk like him. I love like him. I've learned everything from him. He knows no stranger. His arms are wide open to everyone. He forgives everybody. That's what adoption looks like. This is what adoption is. When he did not have to love me, he didn't have to love my mom, he didn't have to adopt me, he didn't have to want to give me his last name, that was not my right. That was not my right. But because of his heart, he said, that's my right, that I love this boy like he's my very own. And I'm gonna give him everything that I am as a love joy. So I walk, talk, act, look like love, like a love joy. That's what the kingdom, that's what Jesus is wanting to do to you in metanoia, inside of repentance, that you literally begin to become an image bearer of Jesus Christ. You love like him. You forgive like him. You dream like him. You believe like him. But the only way you're going to allow that is if you allow full adoption to come in. And full adoption brings one thing. Do you know what that one thing that it brings? 
Re-identification. Re-identification. Are you going to allow God to not only re-identify you every single day of your life, but are you going to allow him to re-identify not just you, your situations? Are you going to let him completely re-identify your world? Are we willing to let God re-identify Streetsboro? Are we willing to let God re-identify America? Are we willing to allow God to re-identify our marriages? Are we allowing God to begin to re-identify our children? Because we have a bad habit, mom and dad, of putting our dreams and our wants and our likes and our hobbies on our children. And God's going, no, 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 no. That was your life. I need you to give them something new. That's getting real, man. That's getting real. That's getting real in here. And that's what happens in Gideon's day. Fathers of Gideon's day taught them how to hide, taught them how to survive, taught them, and they just, listen, this is all that they knew. This is all that they knew. So guess what America knows? America knows abortion. America knows divorce. America knows perversion, pornography. America knows uh, lying, cheating, gambling. We're legalizing all of this stuff every day. Listen, unforgiveness is running rampant inside of not our just our churches. Unforgiveness is running rampant in our homes. And I don't know how many funerals I've sat at and said if they could come back and say something to us. It's love, it's forgive, it's let go. But that stuff is not going to happen unless we allow perfect love, the love of Jesus to come in. And you're not gonna fall madly in love with God if the relationship looks like, if I do one thing wrong, he's gonna cast me away. And that's the message of the American church. Do one thing wrong, you're a backslider, you're no good, you're going to hell. Oh, so you're just preaching salvation? No, I'm preaching love so deep in covenant that once I've seen his eyes of fire and I've felt his perfect love, I wouldn't want to go to anybody else. Why would I ever want to leave that? Because that's not what we're that's not what we're preaching. We're not preaching that kind of love. Because in religion, we're scared to death. And in our circle called Pentecostalism and Charismatic, they all go, Well, brother, you're just giving them a license to do whatever they want. They're doing whatever they want anyway, and they're just hiding it from you. And then we call them holiness because they can pray. Listen, Holy Spirit is not just bilingual. Holy Spirit is a fruit of patience, kindness, peace, joy, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I saw a lot of people that could speak in tongues but could control their anger. I saw a lot of people that can speak in tongues and preach the gospel but couldn't be faithful to their wife. That's why I don't, I, listen, I was raised in Pentecost, but I don't say that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is you being bilingual because maybe God wants you to be more prophetic than praying tongues. Maybe God wants you to be more of an encourager. Maybe God wants you to be more bold in praise and worship than he wants you to run around praying in tongues in private. Because praying in tongues is one, one striking Travis's heart. It's when we got into a degree of worship and perfect love came rushing in. When people started lifting their hands and lifting their voice, I saw a young man who needed rescued in perfect love and tears welling up in his eyes because the king is here because God inhabits the praise of his people, not bilingual Holy Ghost. I just made Pentecostal people mad and I don't care. I don't care. I don't, listen, I don't care. I don't care who I make mad. Because the Bible says this, if you're offended, in, if, if you're easily offended, you're not rooted in Christ. I say whatever I want, Mike. And if you got offended, you're not rooted, you're not seated, 
Where is my telephonies? Give me your phone. What are you doing? I'm trying to be more honorable about your time. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to be more honorable. Because I need you to make this house a priority. For what? The sake of the next generation. There are churches all across America that have nothing but gray hairs. There has to be a remnant that is doing things with the next generation in mind. So in this, I'm going to start this tonight, and I want you to hear me on this. Because we have got to get strife. I know you got nervous when I got three Bibles up here. I see Lita and Eliza Eliza looking at me. I'll throw a microphone at both of you. (laughs) Team mom. (laughs) Inside joke between us. All right. So let's read in Judges because we're going to be in Judges for a while because we need to go from maturity, from immaturity to maturity, correct? Gideon does this in the Old Testament, but you know how he does this? Identification, nothing else. Identification, nothing else. Listen to me. Identification, nothing else. Okay, so listen to me on this. You got me judges here? Judges chapter one. Reading in a New King James Version, Dad. There we go. Fist bump me. New King James Version tonight. There we go. My dad always tells me. That Passion Translation. What happened to the King James Version? It's right here. It's right here. It's in my office. I refer to it often. I refer to it often. So then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midian for seven years. This is what I want you to understand. The children of Israel made a choice. And what the picture of this is in the Old Testament is they now go to war with a physical nation. The children of Israel made a choice that was not the choice of what God had planned for them. So for the next seven years, they went to war with a group of people called the Midianites. What I need you to understand is, do you know what a Midian means? A Midian means in the Hebrew and the Greek, strife and contention. So when you start making wrong choices outside of the government of God, and you start making decisions for yourself that you did not pray or even ask God's opinion, you went strictly off of emotion, you will find yourself at war with two things, strife and contention. When you find yourself at war with strife, you'll find yourself in a bitter conflict bitterness will begin to start to seep in. You'll find yourself in discord and division to what God has for you and how he's trying to identify you. You'll find yourself in a place of competition and comparison and rivalries trying to win back the affection of God's love. Welcome to the battle of the Midianites. Of making a choice and a decision without having a small conversation with Abba who loves you. Abba, who Jeremiah 29, 11 says that he has plans and thoughts for you and they are peaceful and they are futuristic and they have nothing but hope in them. 
we miss out on an opportunity to talk with God and we start finding ourselves in a battle with strife, bitter conflict, discord, division to what God has for you, competition and comparison and rivalry, and we start to lose our identification. The contention comes when you're constantly debating and disputing and struggling with things that you're supposed to be in agreement with. Welcome to the Midianites. This is what the Bible says about the strife and strife and contention prevailed against Israel because of the strife and contention. This is see where it says Midianites. I'm not saying them because you don't battle nations. You battle choices. You don't battle nations. You battle decisions every single day. You hear me? Y'all tracking with me? All right. So in that, because of strife and contention, the children of Israel made for themselves dens and caves and strongholds which were in the mountains. So instead of celebrating at a mountaintop, they found themselves hiding in snake lines. They find themselves hiding in situations. They find themselves retracting. They find themselves in isolation. They find themselves in pulling away. And welcome to the American church. The American church should be celebrating on top of mountains because Jesus' resurrection was your resurrection. Jesus' life is your life. You are everlasting. You are without death. You understand? I know that messes with you because you have to lay this body into a ground, but your spirit man will live forever. And we are in strife and contention. We are struggling with what victory looks like in everyday life because of the choices that we are making every day that we can have one simple thing and it's our father who art in heaven how be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give me today what i need give me today what i need give me today what i need And here's what we do. We make prayer only about big situations, but it's what you turn mole hills into mountains. And all of a sudden, you find yourself retracting because somebody offended you. You find yourself retracting because somebody didn't invite you to dinner. You find yourself retracting because somebody didn't call you. You find yourself retracting because somebody didn't do something. You find yourself retracting because of what everybody else is doing. And literally what's happening is we have heart fractures of strife and contention that is paralyzing you to hide when the real you should be alive, celebrating glory to glory. You are beloved by God, but why don't you feel that way? Because somewhere you made a choice without prayer made a choice why did you make that choice without prayer why did you make that choice without simply when and there's times where you're in striving I feel like I can pray then don't Galatians 4 call another immature person that you had intent to call them to pray with you but instead you vented to them and they let you vent to them to build your cave in your den and make it look like a home. They weren't hiding in caves. They made caves home. Come on, man. Somebody's got to hear me. How did I get to this place where I've been in this too long and this thing is so strong and it's holding me down and every day the inside of me is wanting to manifest the love of God and the glory of God and I get in the presence of God and I, I have the fear of just being the real me and God's going because somewhere 
I just need you to come back to me and have a conversation. I need you to come back to me and have a conversation. I just need you to circle back and not re-ask me what I did. It's what somebody just said. I heard somebody, right? It's returning to first love. It's what Apostle's been talking about. Return to the, watch, return to your first love. And I wish it would not have been interpreted works and do your first works over because encountering and relationship, it should not be work. Marriage is not work, it's relationship. Listen to me, marriage is not work, it's relationship. If it is work for you to forgive your spouse, you have got some jacked up things going on in your heart. It should not be work to forgive. It should not be work to prefer. It should not be work to honor. It should not be work to love. Any relationship should not be a work. Because you want to know what? God don't make you work. Glenn, God don't make you work. God doesn't make you work to feel loved. But we, we, listen, we make that. God doesn't make you work to be loved. God does not do that. So I struggle with that interpretation of return to your first love and do your first works over. My first love encounter was not a work. My first love encounter was he who knew no sin. I went to an altar and he wrapped all of eternity. I, I Listen, I, I can't tell you what people were praying over me. I come from a Pentecostal background and it's just like this. So you're in a moment and you're crying and everybody wants to touch you and you're just getting rocked by God. And guess what? When you're really getting rocked by God, you ain't paying attention. You don't know how many hands are on you and you don't care. Because proximity fixes everything. And if you don't like people getting close to you, that's a true indicator that you don't have trust. And so there's a whole group of people living in caves and dens when Galatians 4, they were called to a promised land called Canaan. But they were living in caves. You want to know why? They don't know who they are. Look at me. They don't know who they are. Some of you are living in the cave of insecurity. Some of you are living in the cave of fear. Some of you are living in the cave of anxiety. Some of you are living in the cave of yesterday. Why? Because every time you try to come out of that cave, that Midianite shows his face and starts poking at your strife and contention again. And for some of you, it's a manifestation of bitterness. For some of you, it's a manifestation of conflict Discord, division, competition, or even comparison and revival, rivalry to what somebody else has. And you find yourself in the contention of the war, James 4 says, of debating and disputing and struggling. Something, somewhere, somehow. How am I going to get out of here? Am I ever going to find parole? Am I ever going to find freedom? I'm glad you asked. Y'all enjoying this? So watch this. They made for themselves dens and caves and strongholds, which were in the mountains. The mountain is supposed to be a place of celebration, not a place of hiding. So it was there, whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up, and then now also the Amalekites would show up. And the people of them from the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel. 
So here's what happens. The children of Israel understand seed time, but they can never reap harvest. You want to know why they can never reap harvest? Because strife and contention opens a gate for the Amalekites. This is going to get some of y'all. Amalekites wouldn't even show up because they're weaker than the Midianites. So the Midianites have their own land. They're their own nation. They would come and steal the produce. But then the Amalekites would set up camp. And you know what? They would start stealing. And I'll read it here in a minute. Not just the produce of their fields. They would start stealing their cattle. They would start stealing their lumber, their wheat, their resources. Do you know what the word Amalekite means in the Greek and the Hebrew? It means valley dwellers. Somebody that makes you want to encamp, not just in the dens and caves, but they'll suck you down to the lowest of lows and tell you to live in the valley. Notice how I said suck you down. The word Amalekite means one that licks blood. It's where we get vampires from. One who sucks the life out of you. So when we're called to be mountain dwellers and not ones that hide in the mountains, ones that celebrate on Zion, we find ourselves in strife and contention. And when we find ourselves in strife and contention, we find ourselves in a place where the life has been sucked out of us. I know some people that are valley dwellers. It's called poverty. You know what they do? They just keep taking from you and 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 they never give anything in return in that relationship. Are y'all tracking with me? I understand we're called to be the lender and not the borrower. But we also need to understand we're not called to be a crutch to somebody either. Because we got to start asking ourselves, am I being helpful or hurtful? This is something that I, this is something that is in my journal. When I look at my relationships around me, am I being helpful or hurtful? Because I'm called to be the lender and not the borrower. And I'm called to be the head and not the tail. And I'm called to be above and not beneath. And I'm called to be a son. I'm called to be a kingdom builder. And I'm called to speak life into other people. And this is what you have to ask yourself on a daily basis. Are you, are you speaking life and are you lifting people up? Are you trying to get people to camp in a valley? Are you trying to get people to camp in a place that they should not camp? Getting people to hide in a place they shouldn't hide. Getting people to not be in relationship with people that they should be in relationship with. What are you doing? Are you dividing, debating? Is strife and contention controlling your life? We're going to go somewhere in this because listen, all the sons and daughters of Yahweh are called to be an inheritance, but somebody's got to teach you not to be a valley dweller and somebody's got to teach you not to be in strife and contention all the time because we're in an age of peace and not in an age of war. And if you find yourself in strife and contention all the time, and I'm not saying you're not going to have tension. You're going to have tension. It's when tension turns to contention. What does that mean? Healthy tension allows the seed to grow. And this is what was the problem with the children of Israel. They could plant harvest, but they couldn't reap. And so this is the American church. Prayer meetings, church services, sow the seed, sow the seed, sow the seed, sow the seed. But what is sucking the life out of revival? What is sucking the life out of reformation? Strife and contention. Going to valley dwellers where we're getting people to encamp in their unforgiveness and we call it church hurt and we need to people love like Jesus, forgive like Jesus. 
Everybody wants to heal like Jesus, but nobody wants to forgive like Jesus. Everybody wants to heal miracles, signs, and wonders, shout them to the hilltop, but literally he is being crucified, guts hanging out, nails in his hands, crown of thorns on his head, being embarrassed, being in mock, and says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. That's Galatians 4. You don't know what you're doing. So you need to get around a voice that is, listen, confronting you to say, stop hanging out with valley dwellers. Stop giving them an ear. They'll either get you to live in the valley and you feel like you're lifeless or they'll literally get you in the side of a hill somewhere and make you call that home when you were called to be on the tops of mountains. You're called to be victorious. You're beloved, man. So guess what happens when a whole generation gets raised up in strife and contention? They start learning how to survive hard times. And Gideon, because his family can't produce anything, what was being stolen from them? Let's watch this. Can we, can we teach for a second? It said that the Amalekites would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth, what they'd sown in, as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance. That word sustenance is mikyah. The word mikyah means resource. They steal your resources. With resources comes what word? Revive. From what word revive comes revival? Stop allowing strife and contention and valley dwellers to steal your seed of revival. Let me just say it to you like this. Stop letting choices and people steal your faith. Faith is the evidence yet hoped for the sustenance of things not yet seen. Evidence, sustenance. Some translations say sustenance. If your sustenance is being stolen from you, it's what we sung tonight, your evidence is being stolen from you. You find yourself bitter in contention, in debating, in division, in not believing. You were given a life. Everybody look at me. I'm going to land the plane because I know we don't like being confronted like this. Why are you letting anything or anybody steal your life? Why are you letting them steal your joy, your hope? Anybody. Pastor, how do I get out of this? You allow somebody to identify you rightly. Let them, and get, listen, this is going to sting. Look at me, look at me. How do you let somebody identify you rightly? When you let them confront the false identity that you're carrying now. Are you willing enough to get around somebody that loves you enough that says, Gideon, there's more to you than just sitting in this wine press? There's more to you. There's more to you than just sitting in this bitterness. There's more to you than you sitting in this debate, this hopelessness. There's more to you. You're loved by God. I'll even show you how Gideon's conversation goes. Can I, can I go that far? Can I go that far and we'll end with that? So I'm going to skip down. Kevin, I need you to go down to verse 7. 
or Mike, one of you guys go down to verse 7 with me. Okay? And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out. Say, cried out. I'm underlining this again. So it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out. Let me read that one more time. When it came, when it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to God. When they cried out to the Lord because of what? Because of their strife and their contention. They'd had enough. Have you had enough? Have you had enough? I've had enough. I've had enough. And, and don't make enough be it come to your front door. Because I'll tell you what enough looks like at your front door. Have a conversation with Shauna Kales, who was going to Planet Fitness the other day. And a young girl went to get out of her car, and Shauna's still in her car. And three men pulled up in an SUV with masks on and grabbed that young girl. And watch this. God will put you in places to bring hope. And Shauna started wailing on her horn while she's ca- Thank God that there's a spirit of might inside of Shauna Kales. Thank God there's a... I called you Kales instead of Chamber. I just realized that. Thank God that there's a spirit of might in Shauna Chambers. That literally, when a girl was about to be pulled into sex slavery, we have a generation that does not know who they are, that think the greatest identity is social media, which is really the strife and contention being birthed more. Why? Because they're comparing, they're debating. Come on, look at social media. There's very few of me on social media that everything is encouragement. There's very few of us on social media that everything is the word of the Lord. No, it's self-image, it's self-comparison, it's debating, it's bitterness. Why did they like her picture and not like my picture? Why did they comment on that and didn't comment on me? Come on, somebody got to get real in this house. Y'all got to get real. Because we're allowing the Midianite spirit to literally choke out beloved identity because we're in bitterness and comparison in the earth and we need somebody to get identified by the Father like a Gideon that says enough is enough. If I stood my daughter up here with about seven other daughters, guess what? None of them are supposed to look alike. But that's how that's what that's what strife and contention keeps saying. That's what strife and contention keeps saying. So we need this beloved identity message in our schools. It just don't need to be in this church. It needs to be in the school. And we're going to need a people that's willing to cry out against this strife and contention that is sucking up our kids. But here's the thing. You're going to have to deal with your strife and contention first. You're going to have to, listen, and offenses will come. Listen, God's going to see how rooted you are in this beloved identity thing. People are going to offend you. Talk. You're going to be persecuted falsely for his namesake. How are you going to deal with that? I'm okay. I'm okay with calling this whole room into governmental alignment so that Travis could start having the encounter that he had. So Lisa Channel could have the encounter that she had. So Shauna Chambers could have the encounter that she had. So Hope could have the encounter that she had. Y'all understand? So listen, it didn't just say Gideon cried out. There was a group of people in a nation that said, I'm done. We're going to start crying out to God for what's going on in the earth right now with strife and contention. Prayer, crying out, prayer is the answer. Prayer is the answer. So they cried out to the Lord because of strife and contention that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel. He spoke prophetically last week. 
that we need to pay attention to what's going on around us. He spoke straight prophetically last week. God will send a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, thus says the Lord God, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am your Lord. I am the Lord, your God. Do not be afraid of the gods of the Amorites in a lands you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. This is what we found courage for. I send it out to most of you. This is what we found courage for. We found courage to do the new thing rather than the courage to do the right thing. And in God's love for you, inside of the new thing, he'll present the right thing to you again. Let me say it to you like this. There is a song in Psalms 40 that he puts in your mouth that's new. So what happens with us in this culture that we live in, in relationships that we're in, what we'll do is we'll get up the courage to change partners but never change the song or the dance. And what you need to do is keep the same partner named Abba and allow him to change the song and the dance. Those who wait upon the Lord, he'll renew your strength. He'll mount you up on wings like eagles so that you can fly, so that you can soar. And so what happens is we actually give up when we're supposed to wait. We actually give up when we're supposed to wait. We actually give up when we're supposed to wait. And how do you get to this point where you wait? When you go back and you begin to celebrate. God's trying to show a whole nation right here. I need you to go back and celebrate hundreds of years ago when I set you free from Egypt. So right now when you're in a situation, let's just say I'm in a situation right now. I'm in a situation. I need God to move. And the situation is dragging me down. It's dragging me down. I don't know what to do. Depression, insecurity, fear, doubt is hitting me. I don't know what to do. God says, go back and remember when I set you free from drugs, when I set you free from pornography, when I set you free from your anger, go back to those victories and just wait upon me and I'll give you wings like eagles so you can soar and I'll watch the mountain move in front of you. You were called to move mountains, not, not live in them. You were called to move mountains. You, not me. Oh man, I wish the preacher would get there. You're there. I'll come, but you're there. You're there. You're there. You're there. You're there. God, God didn't do what I wanted him. God did what he wanted to do. God didn't do what I wanted him to do. He did what he wanted to do. The problem is you're prisoner to time. You're prisoner to time, and he's going, I'll, I'll work on your watch. I'll, I'll work on eternity. Some of you that are, that are staying in depression because of the death, Jesus himself said, death, where's your sting? You're going to find yourself in a situation when the veil gets thin, and he appears, and we don't get snatched off. Oh, did I say that out loud? When he appears and we don't get snatched off the earth, when he appears and we don't get snatched off the earth and there are people that come with him that don't, and we see them, they're going to go, hey, I saw you yesterday. 
Because how many years on the earth is not but a day in heaven? And what seems like eternity, God's going, this ain't eternity. This ain't eternity. How do we know when we're becoming prisoners of time, when we can't celebrate what God did in the past so that we'll believe God will do it in the future? How do you know that you're a prisoner to time and your future is locked in your daily routine real quick? When you think about a situation where you need God to move and the fear of time gets on you, time's running out. Time's running out. No, it's not. No, it's not. Time's not running out. Time's on your side. Time's not running out. That's why when God reminds this conversation, watch this. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the turnip tree. I'm going to read a few more verses and then we're done. The Spirit of the Lord came and sat under the tunip tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash. The Eber, I can't say this stuff. That's why I don't read the Old Testament. I'm not, I'm not a theologian. I am an evangelistic prophet. But watch this. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from strife and contention. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said this to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? What's that? Strife and contention, talking. What's it talking in? The next generation now. God, if you're with us, why is this all this happening? He said, I'm with you. He literally debated the voice of the Lord. Are you really? Look at what it says here. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? What was the verse before that? The verse before that, he comes in and says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. God is trying to tell you he's with you, and you're saying, God, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Because somewhere in the line of agreement of a valley dweller, they took your sustenance away, which is your revival and your faith, and made you start believing that God don't answer prayer. That God don't do miracles. There's a whole church today. God don't do miracles. God don't do this. God, he, Papa's got nine lives. Josh Kale saw this man's head bounce off of a telephone pole. Then some of us in the room would say, then why did this other person die? That's not for us to question God. Because we ain't going to live here forever. How should I say it like this? We're not going to live in this atmosphere forever. You're going to live here forever. You just ain't going to live with it looking like this. It's about to get really live. It's about to get really live. It's about to get really live when we realize that there's a veil even in this room. And that thing, what do you mean? Well, it's called a dimension shift. You, everybody in this room can agree when we first came in here, there was like a lethargic spirit in the room. Yes. Then authority comes in, pokes at that. It has to leave. And I'm not going to say 100% of the room was engaged. Some of you were mad at me and I don't care. Because I was shifting the room for Travis. Okay. And you can get mad and don't come back and there's a hundred other people with you that say I'm a control freak. 
Listen, as long as she loves me, I don't care. As long as I've got the approval of that woman and my spiritual father, game over. I'm good. Everybody get mad, leave the church. We'll pack everything up, give it to some other church, and I'll move to Mobile. I'm good. I'm, listen to me. I'm good. Look at me. I'm good. I know that ruffles many of you in this room. I'm, I'm completely 100% good with whether I live in Streetsboro or whether I live in Mobile or whether I live in Covington or whether I live in Charleston or Ratcliffe. I'm 100% fine. But when I say that to you, you have to figure out why it provokes you. You should be so rooted in Portage County that you should say, he ain't never going nowhere. That shows you how rooted you are in this. When I make those statements and you're like, well, just go then. Now, you'll probably be the one leaving before I will. I'm literally just saying those things to provoke your shakiness. Because y'all, if you know me well enough, I ain't going anywhere until Damon Thompson stands in front of this old congregation and says, thus saith the Lord, move this man to another area. Okay? So inside of that, what am I saying to you? This man came in last week and we just, ah, that's Big Mike. That's Big Mike. He's the mystery guy. I didn't ask for no comment to be named after me. And then I know some people say, well, it's only named after the comment because the woman that found it, her name is Lovejoy. Fair enough, sure enough. But do you realize in 2016, out of all the places in the cosmos where that comment was able to be seen the brightest and the longest and with most detail? Northeast Ohio. Now, if you talk to scientists, guess where probably the not best place to be an astronomer is? Northeast Ohio. Why is that? Because we have too much overclass. Or is it because we have such a big cloud of witnesses? Are there really, because here's, how many know anything about golf? I'm going to relate this to golf. Noah says he knows about golf. So Noah, if some first guy, first guy on the pro tour is putting on the 12th green, but Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy is pointing on the, putting on the 18th green. Who has the bigger crowd? The 12th green or the 18th? The guy that everybody knows, the 18th green. Everybody wants to come see what's happening on the 18th green with Tiger Woods. The no-name. Here's the thing that we don't know about Portage County. Do you know that there was a revival in Kentucky called the Cane Ridge Revival? And when that revival broke out in Cane Ridge, you can go home and look it up. People would come from thousands of miles, hundreds of miles, hours, horse and buggy to experience the presence of God. Those men that experienced that fire in that, we call the circuit riders. And those, those Methodist circuit riders left Kentucky and blazed a trail, what we call the Ohio Valley. And they rested up here in northern Ohio. And a mass revival broke out. In the Second Great Awakening in Lorraine, there's a college that Charles Finney founded. They called him the father of revival in the Second Great Awakening in the 1800s. They literally called Northeast Ohio the land of harvest. There's another revivalist named A.W. Tozer who was buried in Akron who told the greatest thing that we could ever do is to figure out how to think rightly about God. And to think rightly about God is to realize that he is love. That man's bones are buried. 
Charles Finney, A.W. Tozer are buried in northeastern Ohio. Do you know that the end of the Underground Railroad stops in the Wyndham Warrior area? The freedom train from the nation that ran north to south stopped in Portage County. You, did you feel it? Did you feel it? And you, Travis felt it, didn't you? You know what tells you, Travis? You're born to be a part of it. And strife and contention is going to stop stealing your prayers. Somebody pray with me. Just pray with me. Pray with me. Pray with me. Pray with me. The freedom train is here for you tonight, Travis. The freedom train is here for you tonight, son. You are beloved. Ooh, yeah. You are so, yeah, that's it, son. That's it, son. The spirit of adoption is hitting this boy. Come on, Justin. Lisa, your boys know what this feeling feels like. Josh and Jeremy, come on, somebody. Joey Mitchell, you know what this felt like. The night that freedom came knocking on your door. Mike Clinton, you know what this night felt like. Come on, anybody else who's ever struggled with anything. Come on, what's this feel like right here? This is that oh God moment where perfect love comes and rescues and you're no longer identified and you get to be a part of revival and Warren and Wyndham. Jeremy, come over here and lay hands on this boy. Joey Mitchell, come over here and lay hands on this boy. I'm going to say it like this, man. Everything you need, Travis, is in this house. Everything you need. You don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to go anywhere. Right here in this house. Come on, pray with me. Pray with me. Pray with me. I am with you, mighty man of valor. He's in a he's in a wine press sifting wheat. You know what he's doing in there? He should be stomping on grapes, celebrating. Have you ever seen anybody make wine? It's a celebration. It's fun. Have you ever seen I Love Lucy? Pant legs rolled up, smashing the grapes. Instead, he was in there scared to death. Gideon was scared to death, full of strife and contention, going, are they going to knock down the door and take everything I've worked for? Are they going to knock down the door and take everything that I'm believing in? Listen, they keep doing it. Every time I feel like I'm on cloud nine with the Lord, strife and contention from family and friends and misbelief comes in and tries to take my joy. What is, what is, what is, what is sifting wheat? Let me explain to you what sifting wheat is. And when he was supposed to be in a place of celebration, he's taken a husk. And in one hand, he's going, this is worthless and this has value. There are many of us every morning that stand in front of a mirror and grab a hold of a corn husk and go, this has meaning and this has value. And God's going, this is the day of the Lord. Rejoice. Celebrate. Celebrate. In one hand, you're looking at everything that's wrong in your life. And this is this little small, because if you break it, the whole stalk, it's like a corn. If you look at a corn stalk, you'd have that little piece. But with wheat, it's smaller, ain't it, Bridget? 
You have this little small piece that has value. And then all of this stuff that's meaningless. And guess what? When you sit in a wine press for hour after hour after hour after hour, that's why you're not supposed to, the prayer's not supposed to be like that. Because you know it'll pile up all the stuff that feels meaningless. You'll find yourself in a place that was supposed, listen, churches are supposed to be wine presses. But you know what we've made them? Threshing floors for wheat. This is bad, this is good. This is bad, this is good. So you know what we need? Galatians 4. We need some fathers to come in and get all the husks out and even get what we consider good out and focus on one thing, the Spirit. Wine is referred to as the Spirit of God 100% of the time and we shouldn't be focusing on what's good and what's bad, Adam. What's the will of the Lord? What ain't the will of the Lord? We're just supposed to rejoice. We're just supposed to get into communion. We're just supposed to get into communion. So Armin, go up on the keyboard and just, just begin to play. I, I, I want to pray for those that every day wake up. This is bad. This is good. And you've got stalks piled up all over your house. You have stalks all over your... Because guess what? Guess what he couldn't do? Guess what Gideon could not do? He could not take the stalks and put them outside because guess what? The Midianites would know where he was. You find yourself in bondage of what you think's wrong with your life. When you're supposed to be celebrating in your own homes, in your own homes, you start debating, comparing, bitter. Why does my house look like this? Why does this look like this? God's going, man, I'm going to redeem everything. Do you know what the farm looks like inside of Everlasting, Bridget? I'll tell you what it looks like. Your dreams, if you had enough money. When you stand out there and look at it, it needs painted. And I need to repair the barn. And God's going, yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm going to come on a white horse. And on the side, written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And everything that looks dead around you will be fully alive, including Carl, including the girls, including Lisa. Everything that you think is dead right now, God's like... I'm going to unveil every bit of this. You're actually going to live here forever, but it's going to be inside of everlasting. So everything that we think looks like garbage in our lives, God's going, I have a plan to redeem it. And you know how I'm going to do it? Through you. Through you. This is why we need fathers to speak into us. Because listen, man, I'm so constantly going through change. And I'm thankful for all of you that are with me on the journey. 2016, I had to die in front of you. I got on the phone with my wife the other day. And I said, I know the next degree of death for Jimmy Lovejoy. It's on the athletic side of coaching. That's the next death. So what would be the easy way out? Watch, what would be the easy way out? Stop coaching. God goes, no. No, we are not going to get the courage to do a new thing. I'm going to love you so much, Jimmy Lovejoy. I'm going to change the song and the dance. I'm going to change the song and the dance. And there's a man that I've been coaching with for six years that I'll just be honest with you, I wasn't too fond of. You know what the Lord's got me doing now? The man that I have not been fond of. 
I told my wife, I called him Friday morning before the scrimmage. And I loved on him. And I said, man, I don't know anything about you. And I said, we don't really agree a lot. I said, so let's talk about what we agree with. And me and him begin to talk about things that we agree with. And then he began to open up with me about some medical conditions and some things going on in his life. And I got to be able to tell him about Let's pray. I'm going to pray for you. Guess what? I just became light. Light in the darkness. Light in the darkness. But there was a point where I was allowing strife and contention because he doesn't coach like me. And he's not like me. And he's not. We are two completely opposite people on the planet. I have another man that I'm coaching with in wrestling that does not agree the way me and Cookie believe. And we've had a lot of time ministering to this man. He's an amazing friend of ours. But you know what? This is allowing me. I'm I'm doing his pre-marriage counseling. Him and his wife don't believe like the Northgate future wife. And they're coming in my office. And I get to tell them about what kingdom marriage looks like. I'm not doing the wedding. I'm not doing the wedding. But that man from afar has watched this. Go back to December 2019 when Apostle came to this house and he said, they'll look at your marriage and say, what's the blueprint? That's happening right now. Right now. So I need you to tie the hands of time of the things that you've not seen happen yet. And let's not raise a generation to hide in insecurity, hide in their pain, run away. Let's not teach a generation how to survive in strife. Gideon was only doing what he was taught. And here the whole time, while a nation was battling strife, for seven years they battled strife and contention, the Midianites. God goes, I'm going to redeem it in a son. So next Sunday, guess what? Guess what? Well, not next Sunday because Mark and Bobby will be here. But the Sunday after that, guess what we get to learn about? What does a redeemed son look like for the next generation? And what Gideon begins to do with his family that is full of strife and contention. You know what the world would say? Impossible. Impossible. What God wants to do with the Cox family impossible God said no it's not Bollinger's what you're going to do in your whole family Maddie I'm so proud of you I'm so proud of you she brought her friend to youth group and Emma is the rock paper scissors champion of the world proud of you Victoria and Amaris wow I know it's not easy. But you're choosing to rejoice. You know why? Because on those days when you want to look at corn, you want to look at husks and stock, you call Mama T. The veil's getting thin. She's going to wrap her arms around Josh. Josh is going to go, man, I just saw you yesterday. You know what he's going to tell her? I heard every prayer. 
anchored everything you guys were saying to me. Want to know how I know this? Want to know how I know Josh? You know I know how passionate I know about Josh Bell. Moments before he took his last breath, his son was sitting at the feet of his bed. If you've ever been in the room when the father comes to get his children, it's the most holiest thing on the planet. I'm telling you. We're sitting in that room two hours before Josh went home to be with the Lord. They take the feeding tube out. And a lot of times when that happens, somebody goes home with the Lord immediately, not Josh. Josh wanted to stay with us a little bit longer. He wanted to stay with you a little bit longer. Josh's son is at the foot of the bed and he pushes Josh's parents out of the way and he goes right to the face of the father. Watch when he thought time was running out. See, some of you don't respond as time is running out. Do some of the things you want to do now. Because that boy did something to his dad that he'd been wanting to do for a long time. And he ran up because he thought time was running out. And I need you to respond now to life. Beloved, that boy ran up to his daddy. And he goes, Dad, I love you. And I know that there were times that we didn't see eye to eye. And there may have been times where I was wrong or you was wrong and he just starts repenting to his father. And he says, I'm so proud to be named after Josh Bell. Dad, I'm going to make you proud. I'm going to make Tidney Victoria. I'm telling you, I thought Josh was coming out of that bed. He started trying to talk to his son. Josh will not be denied. He will not be denied. And I'm telling you, on the day that the rider on the white horse invades heaven and earth, what Josh was trying to say to Joshua, he's going to look at his boy and he's going to tell him, I love you and I'm proud of you. So you know what heals that moment that he feels like he's missing? When you hear the voice of Abba Father in heaven say, I'm proud of you. And you know how that's going to happen when we stop debating with God, looking at this is where I'm good and this is where I'm bad. And Gideon had a room full. He had to live in it. And we're doing that every day. We're living in this is where I'm good and this is where I'm bad. He said, nope. Right in your drug addiction, mighty man of valor. Right in your dysfunctional marriage, mighty man and mighty woman of valor right inside of your fear and depression and your regret mighty 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 and Gideon said just like all of us who are swallowed up in am I good or am I bad are you sure are you sure you're talking to the right person yeah because God saw the finished product Love sees the finished product, Travis. Love sees the finished product. Listen, everybody in this room can look at the good and the bad. 
what happens when we start looking at the finished product and guess what that is love 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 it's 847 we don't usually get out here at 9 o'clock anyway smile at me smile smile even though I make you mad smile 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 because listen I love you I love you my family loves you when I watch how Josh going home affected my kids you have no idea how much my family prays for you you have no idea I'm sitting with my children and they're going man I knew Josh Bell since I was four my son is forever marked by Josh daddy was at everything daddy served he loved Gate. let's shine radiant love and not just survive and if you feel like you're stuck in the side of a mountain or you feel like you're buried in am I good enough or not good enough let's get out of that let's get out of that tonight so with every head bowed and every eye closed I just want to be private if there's anybody struggling with what I'm talking about tonight I feel like I'm stuck in the side of a cave called life. When I should be climbing mountains, you used to be adventurous, but now you're hiding. God wants to pull your adventure and your wonder back out. We're not living a life with regrets. We're living a life fully alive in the goodness of God. We're we're wide open. Is anybody in this room by slipping of the hand do you feel like Gideon find yourself questioning God you find yourself stuck in a wine press am I good am I there's a hand right there yeah hand right there yeah let the Lord yep let the Lord I'm done living in that I'm done living in that mess being choked out but am I good enough or not good enough so Father I just pray right now for those that have their hands lifted that God you begin just heal hearts And God, those that are questioning, where are you? You're about to show up. And I can't wait in two weeks to read the rest of this story. But right now, we got to deal with the fact you're not called to just survive. You're called to live. You're called to live, man, even though you go through hard times. You have the right to be happy and full of joy and full of life. So I say, get up. Get up. Get up out of your cave. Get out of your questioning of, am I good enough or am I not good enough? Is this good? Is this not good? Let's get out of the cases closed. God loves you. Mighty man of valor, mighty woman of God. God sees your finished product. God sees your dreams. God sees your children. God sees the finished product. And where we feel like we've lost, The Josh Bells, the grandmas, the grandpas, the husbands, the wives, the sons. Man, there's an everlasting life where they're going to hug your neck and say, I saw all of it. Jesus gave me a front row seat to all of your victories.
So dream again. Dream again. Dream again and burn with radical love. Burn with radical love and believe in the impossible. Believe in the impossible. Believe in the impossible. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Beat. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.